0: A and a touchdown. Bell into the middle of that line and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder. 85
3: yards. There was contact with a quarterback and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in.
0: He'll hit immediately he <laughs> really got the handoff. You know and that's the <laughs> q Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From
4: the DOJ Digital Studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet 1. And it's time for part two of a conversation that we started on the Turn On the Jets feed. And if it was on the Turn On the Jets feed, you know that the person that's joining me is the host of that show. Of course, is the owner of TurnOnTheJets.com, Mr. Joe Caparoso. Joe, thanks for coming on for part two. Always love to do these crossover episodes with you.
1: Love the home and homes. Uh, Always fun to do. I think we had a really good discussion about the Jets' free agency uh, overall this past offseason. Excited to dive into the draft uh, because I I think it was a class we were both excited about across the board. And I don't know how many players are going to have a massive impact on their win total this year. But long term, I think we're excited about some of the pieces they added. So excited to dive into it.
4: Should note that some of the things you're going to hear from Joe, you can hear in even longer form on the Badlands feed right now. So go over and subscribe on Podbean. Joe's also got a link up at Jay Caparoso on Twitter. And Connor Rogers, his co-host, has one up at Connor J Rogers. They spent well over an hour just dissecting the draft bit by bit. I wanted to talk a little bit about... The individual draft picks with you Joe Because we've been breaking down What the Jets did this offseason And the draft was obviously a major part Not only of 2020 But what's going to come after that Let's start with the first pick Makai Becton This is interesting because A lot of people were scared of him Because they had heard that he was raw Needed a lot of work And to an extent that's true But he has been working with Duke Manyweather Who's one of the best in the business He improved A lot from his sophomore to junior season And you can see just the raw ability And you can see the athleticism The power, the dominance This is a guy that could be a staple Of that Jets offensive line For the next 10 years or so But was he the safest pick they could have taken? There was Tristan Wirfs who was on the board at the time, might have been able to trade up a couple of spots and grab Jedrick Wills, who ended up going to the Browns. So what do you think? Was this the right move? And what do you think of Beckton in general?
1: I'm excited about the pick. I think you could make a you know you can make a case that Wirfs would have been a higher floor, lower ceiling pick, but considering how close I think they were overall I don't have a problem taking the guy with the higher ceiling than Becton a guy who if everything breaks right could be a perennial all pro at one of the most important positions in football so I was happy to see the Jets go offensive offense around one particularly happy to see them go offensive line I think Becton has some of the most unique measurables we've seen ever in the NFL draft and because of that his ceiling to become one of the best tackles in the NFL is really exciting. Do I think there's going to be some bumps this year? Sure. It's been a tough offseason for a rookie to start day one at left tackle. He's going to have to, you know, improve a little bit in pass protection. It's not perfect, but it's an exciting pick. And I do think he has the ability to be a cornerstone piece for this offense. And they were long overdue overdue to take offensive line in round one. It had been since 2006 when they took to Berkshaw Ferguson. And if Becton could have a comparable career to Ferguson, Jet fans are going to be ecstatic. And I don't think that is an unrealistic expectation because he is talented enough to do that. So I was very excited and pleased with the pick.
4: How about the second round pick, Denzel Mims? First of all, were you nervous when Joe Douglas traded down from 48 to 59? And second of all, was Mims the guy that you wanted in that spot? Because I know that he's somebody that we both had pretty high on our list of wide receivers. I honestly didn't expect him to be available in that spot. I thought he might go in the first round. Very pleasant surprise when the Jets were able to snag him in the second, even after trading down. What were your thoughts? Were you sweating a little bit as they jumped down from 48 to 59 to see if one of those receivers was still going to be there?
1: I was definitely sweating a little bit because I I really wanted them to address receiver on day two and, you know, credit to Douglas for having a good feel for the board at this section of the draft and being confident he could still get Mims who I think would have been good value at 48. I think was great value at 59. Uh, A guy who, just had really consistent production year over year at Baylor there. I haven't seen many of these, but you get a couple crazy jet fans throwing out Stephen Hill comparisons. And it just doesn't make any sense. You know, Hill was a guy who had these great measurables, but never really produced in college. Mims is a guy who was putting up stats year after year, game after game uh, across the board. There was no, you know, fluke flukiness to his production. And when he was healthy, He was one of the most consistent and productive receivers in the country. He's a guy who plays like a power forward, particularly in the red zone. And that is something the Jets have long, badly needed at the receiver position. And for a second rounder, he has a much more well-rounded game than some of the other middle round picks we've seen the Jets take at receiver. So Hill was sort of a one-trick pony, deep threat. Devin Smith was a similar guy who I think was a better prospect, but struggled with injuries. Uh, Ardarius Stewart was a gadget player who might've been better off being a running back at this level. Uh, You know, Chad Hansen just didn't have the athleticism I think to make it in the NFL. Mims is a guy who has the athletic profile of a first round pick and had really strong production. I think he dropped a little bit because of some concerns about his route tree and consistency catching the football. Some of those concerns may be a little overstated. And look, he does does still need to diversify his route tree a little more and add some refinement to his game. He's not going to be a huge run after the catch guy, but that's fine. He could be a guy who wins on back shoulders, wins in the red zone. And I don't think my, – my pro comparison to him, and this is an optimistic one, is that he can be a Kenny Galladay-type player. Galladay was a guy who had an okay rookie year as he kind of learned and acclimated to the game, and that was blossomed into a consistent 1,000-yard receiver And I think Mims has that ability. And I don't, you know, again, I don't say that lightly. I try to be pragmatic in evaluating these picks, but I think Mims could be in a thousand yard receiver by next season.
4: Joe, we all wanted the Jets to go offense in the first two rounds, maybe even the first four rounds, depending on who you listen to. I know that you wouldn't have been against that necessarily, but in the third round, they had two picks and the first of those picks ended up being. Ashton Davis, who is not only not an offensive player, but a safety, a position where they seem to be pretty well stocked. Were you surprised by the pick and what you think of it overall?
1: I was a little surprised by it, uh, especially initially. I think you, d- you dig a little deeper into how the Jets are looking at the reality uh, of how their safety position might evolve in the coming years that they're not paying both Jamal Adams and Marcus May. So they like Davis's athleticism. They're also not going to be shy about playing three safety looks this year. And I think they just saw a guy who had unique top-end athleticism, both for defense and for special teams. I think he's still raw. He's a little bit of an older prospect who started playing football later in life. I'm not going to lie. If Mike Mcagnon made this pick, I'd be much more wary of it because he lost the benefit of the doubt by drafting older prospects in the middle rounds. I'm willing to give Douglas the benefit of the doubt with it, and I've really been – it was a pick I was not initially crazy about, but the more I dove into his game, the more I've talked to people around the logic behind the pick, I feel okay about it. You know, I, I'm curious to see how safety plays out. I think he could be a really exciting player on the back end. Not quite an apples-to-apples apples comparison, but I think you could see some Kerry Rhodes-ish to his game with how he's sort of that center fielder, sort of a ball-hawking center fielder who could cover sideline to sideline. I'm very curious to see how Greg Williams uses him this year. And I am confident that both Marcus May and Jamal Adams will not be on this roster by the time we hit some point next season. Uh, So having another guy who can be a long-term building block back there makes sense at some level.
4: What about all the Gators that were added during the draft process, Joe? The first of which was in the third round, Jabari Zuniga, the edge rusher slash defensive end, from florida and then we also had Lamichael p ryan getting picked with that fourth rounder number 120 overall and then fast forward to the very end of the draft the jets trading their final draft selection number 211 in round six to the indianapolis colts to get quincy wilson and that pick had a weird history because first it was gotten by the jets for darren lee from the chiefs Then it was traded to the Colts conditionally for Nate Hairston. Then it was sent back to the Jets because those conditions weren't meant. And then the Jets turned around and gave it back to the Colts anyway in exchange for Wilson. So you had three Gators that were added throughout the course of the weekend. Two of them were draft picks, one of them in a draft trade. What did you think of those three additions? I thought the Pirine and Zuniga moves were a little odd just considering what the needs are and what they could have done value-wise in those spots. And with Quincy Wilson, I understand you give away a couple years of team control because you only have him for one year, but the reality is he's still very young, he still has a ton of upside, and he's somebody that they're obviously comfortable with. Rex Hogan was in the front office in Indianapolis, so they feel like they can bring him in and maybe they can unlock his potential. What would you think of those three guys?
1: These moves were fine. You know, I'm not throwing a party over them, but... Zaniga, I was kind of eh about it, and I still am. I think I'm not sold how his skill set translates to really being an edge rusher at the NFL. I almost wonder if he kind of ends up being a a Henry Anderson-type player at the NFL, and that includes the injury concerns with it. And I just wonder, were the Jets really trying to get a guy like Hennessy there, and they kind of misjudge where he would still be? You know, in talking to people who've spent more time watching and watching his career, Connor on Badlands is also a bit down on this pick, although we talk with Jordan Reed on Badlands, who is a little higher on this pick. So, you know, we're late in the third round here. My gut reaction is I'm not sure he's really going to be an impact play, a major impact player at edge. Maybe he's more of a rotational guy. I think P Ryan's fine as a, you know, a day three running back. He has sort of the jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none game. Not really a burner. Catches the ball well out of the backfield. Smart, well-rounded guy. Projects to maybe being a slightly less explosive Bilal Powell at the next level. I like to use Jet player-to-player comparisons. Uh, It's just, you know, for being a Jet fan, I suppose. But I think, again, okay. And for Wilson, I I think a reasonable dart throw for a six-round pick. I actually might like that the best of the three because I think he's going to have a real chance to compete to start this year. And was someone that I, w- I was a real big fan on, and actually wanted the Jets to take over Marcus May back in the day. Now May, I would say, despite his missed sophomore year, has probably been a better pro to date. Uh, but I, I like the value in taking a you know a sixth round swing with him. The other two, I think, are okay. Honestly, I don't I don't expect much from either this year, particularly P Ryan, since the Jets added Gore. But I do think he could be the number two running back in twenty twenty one.
4: Let's talk about the other fourth round picks that the Jets made. Captain Morgan, the quarterback out of FIU And Cam Clark, the offensive tackle Who probably will slide to guard in the pros out of UNC Charlotte With Clark, it seems like a bit of a project move Somebody that may not play this year But could potentially be in consideration for a starting job in 2021 Much like Becton, sort of raw But big and powerful and a lot of potential there We saw what he did against Clemson And I think that's what got him noticed And then, of course, you have Captain Morgan, an older quarterback prospect, and somebody who is different from Sam Darnold because he's much more of a classic pocket quarterback. But to me, that was an odd pick because I just feel like there were starters they could have gotten, potentially even long-term starters, as opposed to getting a guy... Who may or may not ever even play for the Jets And I know that people are saying That backup quarterback is important Look at what happened last year But they did go out and sign Joe Flacco Every year you can go out and get at least A decent veteran to hold down the fort It's hard for me to really justify using a pick like this on a quarterback unless the quarterback that you have has some sort of crazy injury history. I had mentioned actually to David Drucker, who came on the show, who covers FIU, that if his hometown Dolphins had picked Captain Morgan, it would have made more sense to me because of his injury history. So what would you think, Joe? The other fourth-round picks, Morgan and Clark, were you in or out?
1: I love the Clark pick, and I hated the Morgan pick. And I, I won't be convinced otherwise I'm both. I'm, I'm kidding, obviously. My, You know, my subjects <laughs> are opinion. My opinions are subject to change based on what, I, what we see going forward. But I like Clark as a value swing and think he is someone who can compete to be a starter in 2021. I like having a second offensive line pick in the same draft class with Morgan. I just don't think he's an NFL quarterback or even an NFL backup. I don't like the Jets carrying three quarterbacks this year because you're not going to put – him on the practice squad and risk someone else taking him uh, and he's not going to be the backup this year that will be Flacco or maybe David fails. I, I don't know but I I don't see it and again like the top line in all of Morgan's scouting reports are that he grew up near Lambeau Field and I don't care that has nothing to do with him being a good player and I don't doubt he's a good guy and he loves the game and yada 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 I just this team has too many other positions to address right now to be using a fourth round pick on a developmental backup quarterback like They should have just signed Matt Moore this offseason to be their backup quarterback for a two-year deal. Let him back up Darnold the next two years, Uh, a guy who knows the offense, who's a good, capable starter whenever he comes in. Use your draft pick on another offensive lineman. Use it on another receiver. Uh, I'm not sold on the value of making Morgan the pick. And I'm sorry, but I'm getting major Bryce Petty vibes here. Big arm, smart kid, you know, worth a dart throw. I don't see it. I didn't see it with Petty. I don't see it with Morgan. Um, with Clark though, I like to pick a lot and I think he could be, I think he can't start at this level. I don't know if he ultimately will, but if you're getting that with a fourth rounder, uh, on the offensive line, I think that's a good thing.
0: Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice at caskers.com. We make this experience easy. Caskers is a one stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive, sought after, rare, and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.
3: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep.
4: Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. In the fifth round, the Jets drafted a guy that many think could end up being one of the steals of the draft Bryce Hall, the cornerback from Virginia. Travis Milton, one of the co hosts of There's always Next Year with Brian Bassett on Play Like a Jet has said that he was sitting there praying for Bryce Hall to end up a Jet because he's a huge Virginia homer, and sure enough, it happened. Now, I've talked extensively to people that have covered him, and the word you get is that he's everything you want from a football player and a human being. The only real question is the injury. Joe, do you think the fact that he couldn't be examined by team doctors was what drove him Down the board because it feels like He was somebody that could have easily been in Consideration for a third round pick a lot of Jets Fans would have been fine with that but instead He ends up going to the Jets here in the fifth You think that's what drove him down And scale of one to ten how happy Were you with the pick
1: I love this Pick I think clearly the Situation and being able to check out Medicals probably fed into him Dropping this far but this is a guy that I think was a second or third round Talent so to get him this late was exciting. And if he could recover, he is someone who I think has a very good chance to start some games late this season uh, and be a prime candidate to start in 2021. So this was a move that uh, I was really happy about. I was surprised he was on the board this long. Of course, we'll see what the actual injury recovery is. But this is a guy in my mind who should have been a day two pick and the Jets got him late in day three. So that's a win.
4: How about the sixth round pick of Brayden Mann, a punter out of Texas A&M? Now, he was the best punter in the entire country, so you got to give the Jets credit for going out and getting quality. To me, this is fine because you don't necessarily prioritize a punter. But when you're talking about the sixth round, if you're going out and you're getting yourself somebody that you think can hold down the position for a really long time at a high level... That's good with me. Same thing would have been the case if it was a field goal kicker. We've seen plenty of kicking woes. We've seen plenty of punting woes as well. So either one of those positions I think is fine late in the draft. And I think when you use a pick on a guy like that, you're expecting him to hold down the position. Did you think Braden Mann was a solid pick in the sixth round? Uh,
1: Yeah. I mean, again, should the Jets with their roster be using draft picks on a punter? I guess you can make the case they shouldn't do. I think man was unquestionably the best punter in the class and will solve a position that was F for them last year. Yeah. I think I could see him being their punter for the next 10 years and who doesn't like watching clips of guys, you know, booting the ball 75 yards and Adam Gase's offenses punt the ball a lot. So at least for this year, it definitely makes sense. It's not the kind of thing that I'm going to spend too much time criticizing or praising either way. It's a punter. Uh, so I think he'll be a good punter and that, that's the best I could say about it.
4: What would you give the draft class overall? The first one that Joe Douglas was fully in charge of. What grade would you give it?
1: Uh, I mean, it's always hard to grade these things immediately. I think it's somewhere in the B plus range. Uh, I really liked the first two picks and those are the most important picks. Those are your premium assets. Uh, I did not like the Morgan pick. Uh, I am eh on the Zaniga and Pirine pick. Uh, I'm optimistic about davis I, I really liked the clark and hall pick and man is like whatever and i thought i thought the quincy Wilson trade was fine uh if not good so i think like a b plus this is going to sink or swim if beckton and mims are good long-term if good long-term starters for this team then that that's a win so you got two things to make two players to make sam Darnold's life that much easier everything you get after that is gravy and i think beckton and mims really should be good starters at this level. If the Jets coaching staff screws that up or they get hurt, that's something else. But those were good value picks at major positions of need. So I'm happy uh, with those as the headliners.
4: Any undrafted free agents that the Jets went out and got that stick out to you? I know Bryce Huff has gotten a lot of publicity. A lot of people really like him as a potential player to stick on the roster as an edge rusher, especially since the Jets don't have much there. Everybody was hoping for a diamond in the rough On the offensive side of the ball I know that the Jets got a couple of wide receivers What do you think? Anybody that you particularly like Think has a real chance to stick on the roster?
1: Yeah, Huff's kind of became the darling Of this undrafted free agent class Just I think because of the position he plays And he has some intriguing tape I think he has a a puncher's chance of making the team Offensively, George Campbell I think is an interesting guy With that kind of speed as a potential deep threat Uh, Him and Cager. I think we'll get a lot of chatter and have a reasonable chance to stick on the roster, but Campbell and Huff are the two who really jump off the page to me as guys who could end up sticking and uh you know grabbing a spot. And there's always a guy like this. You know, last year it was Kyle Phillips, a few years ago it was Robbie Anderson, so if they can get one guy to be a player like that, you take that as a win.
4: I think if you get even one player as you said, Joe, It is an absolute win. Now, it's happened before. We've seen it. Snacks Harrison, Robbie Anderson, last year Kyle Phillips. It happens, but you shouldn't be counting on it. So if you can get even one guy that wasn't drafted that can come in here and do something, it's an absolute victory. I will say this, though. This year could be the year for it more so than any other year only because of the fact that you have so much weirdness going on surrounding the coronavirus pandemic that it may have Had players slide a lot further Than they normally would have because Of the fact that there weren't in-person meetings And such so it'll be interesting to keep an Eye on as we get ready for training camp Believe it or not coming up in Just a matter of weeks and A couple of weeks after training camp starts Of course you'll get the preseason so Really starting to rev up into The NFL season although I think we both know Joe 24-7 Is what the NFL has Become now 365 Days a year there's no rest for the Wicked, certainly not on play like a jet or at turnonthejets.com. Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnontheJets.com, host of the Turn on the Jets podcast, and co-host of the great podcast Badlands with Connor Rogers. Thanks so much for coming on and doing this part two of the home and home that we like to do on your feed and my feed. Really appreciate it. This is always fun. We got to do it more often. But in the meantime, before you go, make sure you let everybody know not only how they can subscribe to the Turn on the Jets podcast if they haven't for some reason, but also how they can get in on Badlands.
1: Always fun, Scott. And yes, you can subscribe to the Turn on the Jets podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Leave a rating, leave a review. Badlands, turnonthejets.podbean.com. $9.99 for a one-year subscription. I promise you will get more than enough audio content there. Uh, to be good value on that, I think we already ten point ten 10-part audio docu-series, and we've done 14 weekly episodes since then with way more to come. So that's tournamentjets.podbean.com. And always stay with me and Scott here on the Jets and Play Like a Jet.
4: Go ahead and follow Joe on Twitter, subscribe to the Turn on the Jets podcast and to Badlands with him and Connor on Podbean or get the link at Jay Caparoso or at Connor J. Rogers on Twitter. If you haven't given us a five star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show. If you like what we're doing, doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it helps us out a lot. So if you could do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest, the New York Jets podcast, you know where to go that's turn on the jets digital and turn